This is our third part of disarming tragedy in our lives, part three. Y'all look good, man. Amen. I'm telling y'all look good. <laughs> y'all look good. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. Do you baby, feel good about yourself? I'm trying to get a coffee. Do you feel good? Try to get a coffee. Y'all look good. You're in Christ. You look good. There you go. That's Man, you look good. Wow. See, you, you all used to the world response. You look good. You're like, oh, yeah, because I don't feel too good. So yeah, I'm talking about Christ, y'all. Yes. I'm God. talking about in Christ. I look good. You look good in Christ. He said praise and worship. It looks calmly on me. It looks calmly on me. It looks good on me when I praise God. Right in the, mm. right in the middle of the tragedy. Right. <laughs> he said, give him more glory yes. when I praise him like that. Yes. Don't forget yes. what you've been learning in Hanukkah. That's right, mm. My God. <laughs> He's ready to bust out the blocks. Day God. six, man. <laughs> I am. I am ready to bust out the blocks, man. God, he just spoke to me. It was exciting. I felt his presence. Amen. He gave me a tongue. I mean, he spoke to me. Amen. I'm just praying what the Holy Spirit gave you utterance to pray. Man, God. he'll take you deep in that thing too. <laughs> so he'll awesome. open up. He'll open up you as, as, as much as you yield to him. That's right. There is no limit in the spirit. There's no depth, no end in the spirit. Man, I'm sorry. He, he opened me up for something. This <laughs> a praying in the spirit, y'all. Pray, and have your heart connected to what you are praying. That's right. Other than that, it's just gibberish mm-hmm. is in vain yes, but I was praying in the spirit he took me to that holy place he took me where they say where the world say you can't go All right. he took me where, where the unbelievers say you can't go too right. he took me to a deep place in him mm, glory to God. in the spirit while I'm standing right there mm-hmm. see you, you just saw the physical form but I'm a spirit Amen. and when you connect to the high place I mean, you're in the throne room of God. It's, it's, it's realer to me than I'm sitting here in this time constrained yes. by time, constrained yes. by the molecules constrained. Yes. And if you're truly in his presence, Pastor, and I totally agree with you, is that you really, at one point, when you totally rid yourself the flesh crucifying your own thoughts mm-hmm. and your own emotions and where you at and what's going on and all these imaginations and uh, speculations and all what's going on in your head, you end up getting in his presence. And I don't know about you, but I can then feel him mm. That's standing, what he wants. hovering over That's what he me. wants. That's what he wants. And, you know, if you're not, if you, if you're not quick on you, it startle you. Yeah. Because it's like, who just walked up? Mason's like, he came on the scene, and you can feel his presence when he come on the scene. Jesus. This is what he wanted them. This was a, you saw the manifestation of tongues and interpretation right in front of you. And God spoke, and he said, I want, tell them, each and every one, I want you to feel me, to experience me. That's what he desired at that moment. That's what he desires. Yet you feel him. You'll know that he's real then. That's right. You'll know that nothing's going to harm you. You'll know that there's no fear that can overcome you. There's no disease that can kill you. That's right. Yes. When you feel his presence. Oh, my God. So disarming tragedy in our lives, part three. And as we talked about, tragedy is basically calamity and it's uh, unnecessary in most cases, problems, harm, hurt, danger that we invite and bring into our own lives because of the decisions that we have made without God. So uh, often we try to respond to the bad things that happen to our life that, you know, God's doing this so I can be tested and tried so he can get glory. And again, he does not need for you to be tested or tried for him to be glorified. He already know what you're going to do. Uh, so, and we really talked about what is the main source of why it is the tragedy is the breeding ground for most Christians, and it's because of our lack of knowledge of God. We lack the knowledge of God. We really don't know Him. We sing the songs, 
And I think a lot of us who've been in church for a long time, whether it's 10, 15 years, whether you've been going 10 or 15 years, a different story. But you have known of God for quite some time, probably for some of us a decade. And with that being said, but you really don't know him. You still find it hard to worship him, still find it hard to praise him because you lack knowledge of him. You're not be grateful for something that you don't really have knowledge about, are you? Of course not. So we need to really gain knowledge of our creator. When you said that, that's, it's almost like I could see the picture. It's mm -hmm. very simplistic mm -hmm. about what you said. We don't do these things because mm -hmm. we don't know. We know attributes. Right. Like I always use the example of Obama. Everybody know everything about him, but you don't personally know him. Right. Mm -hmm. And if he walked past you, he wouldn't know you. That's right. So it was God saying, do I know you? Because he knows his praises. He knows mm -hmm. his sheepfold. He knows who he has. He knows mm -hmm. he said, my sheep know my voice. Yes. And another they wouldn't mm -hmm. So to me, it just really, it's real simple. If I don't have knowledge of him, I'm not going to worship him. That's right. And, you, and that you can't worship him. In falsehood, you got to worship him in spirit and truth. Amen. So let's get to know him. How do you get to know God? We're going to kind of go through it because we are at 1236 already. But I do want to just highlight what we kind of talked about last time. Um, Apostle Paul, which he states that what I've learned, this is a secret, I apply. That's our greatest downfall. We're hearing a lot of word, but we don't apply it. You know the will of God but you won't obey the will of God. Thus, this is how you don't get to know him. That's so good. Because you don't obey him. You don't experience him. So this is why, again, you don't know him. He is his word, so you have to apply the word of God in your life. And you will have to be in a situation or circumstance to know him. Mm. You're not just going to know him just going to work, coming home with your family. You're not just going to know him. You're not going to know that he's good. You're not going to know that he's merciful unless you're in a situation to well, have mercy, mercy to be shown to you. You won't know about really grace and all who he is and love except you be in a situation or circumstance to where he, that needs to be demonstrated in your life. Yes, Pastor. No, actually, they have been in those situations. And if you're not going through it, you can think back to when you were promiscuous, when you were out there. Now think about, you could have been afflicted with something that could kill you. Mm -hmm. Oh, they go up automatically. Because that could have been me. It's somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So alone, that alone, just even my past experiences. Right. If I would just contemplate them, I was in a car wreck. Mm -hmm. I didn't get, I came out, nothing happened. That's right. Car totaled. I mean, mm -hmm. Just think about that. But we've been having the wrong, we've been thinking wrong. And yeah. We're going to talk about yeah. that. So yeah. we haven't been thinking that it's God that has kept us. You're thinking, oh, it just, you know, it's just life. You know, I, I, I'm okay. So you don't think about that when you're on the interstate, and Lord knows I do. I, you know, yeah. you, your blind spot, and you, you're going to get over in this car. You both are coming over in the same lane at the same time, and then that, they blow the horn, and, and it's like, Lord God, thank you. But for some of us, it's still... You know, you get, get to your destination, you're okay with thinking that you made a decision to get back in your lane. But again, we're moving on. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep in mind, okay. cool. Apostle uh, Peter said that God's willingness is multiplied in us when we actually have more knowledge of him. The more you gain knowledge of God, the more you'll be willing to yield yourself to him. The word itself calls you to be willing to serve him. This is why you don't listen or read much of the word. And the more you don't read his word, the more you don't hear his word, the more you will not be willing to obey his word. And his word seems very foreign to you. It has no effect on you. You can't feel him. Mm. And what you do feel is your life, your situation, and your circumstances. That's what you feel. Man, that thing real. Because that's what you have been inundated with. It's the world, your problems. You've been inundated with your situations, your circumstances, but what you have not been inundated with is the word of God. So we don't have a willingness to yield to him. So we need to know it, receive it, believe it, and act on it. Our foundation scripture, Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field 
which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Again, Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more settled than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They ate from that tree. They ate from the tree of knowledge, knowledge of good, good and, and sin. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Evil. Good and evil. Good and sin. They then became knowledgeable of sin. Knowing. Exactly. And not only knowledgeable of sin, their tongue was poisoned now to speak calamity. Mm. They were not capable of good. speaking calamity and destruction in their life. Their tongue was poisoned, the very nature of humanity, because they ate from that tree, was that sin was in their nature. And not only sin, what was the fall of Satan? Pride. Pride became the nature of humanity. Mm. I will, I will, I will ascend my throne. Above the most high. Above God. I will be like. I will. My decisions are better than God's decisions. I will. I will make decisions about my life. I will. I will decide when I'll praise. I will. Pride is mm. in the nature of humanity. So if any of you say you're not prideful, you're lying. The truth is not in you. Because it's in your nature, which is sin. It became now the fall of humanity, pride. So this is why you really have to be born again. again. And yes. to be led by the spirit and not, not of your, your flesh. flesh. And don't be led of your pride. This is why we can't experience God. We can't see God. We can't feel God because I will myself mm. to sit down. I will myself, even when I'm standing up, not to be standing up. I'm still sitting down because I'm not bowing low and with a contrite and broken heart before God so he can use me, so he can speak to me. I can't even hear him. This is why the word of God is not real, because you can't hear the word of God. You can only hear yourself because you will. What did Satan initiate? He initiated pride. He initiated pride into God's perfect creation. You are perfect in the beginning. Yeah. Satan thought that he was good enough to challenge God's authority in rule. And this is what you do when you don't reverence God. You decide that you're good enough and better enough to challenge God's authority. When you don't praise God, you challenge his authority and his rule. When you don't open up your mouth and say God is good, you challenge his authority in his rule. So this is why in the Psalms, he always tells you how mm -hmm. to praise him, mm -hmm. how to worship mm -hmm. him. Exactly. He tells you, and I had read um, Psalms 134, and he was telling us to raise our hands in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So he, it's just, it, he's, he tells you. So, so really, we are without excuse. We are without excuse. Because he, he showed, but if he was reading that in his word, you would know to do that. That's right. Already. Mm -hmm. And if we're training our children, whether they're in the word or not, then they should be being imitators of their fathers. What That's they're right. seeing, the kids... The kids should be imitating the scene of the father. Pray, yes. worship, mm -hmm. love, yes. minister. Amen. I mean, do all these things mm -hmm. that the father should be showing. He's an example. He's an example. Okay, mm -hmm. I got you. Right. <laughs> we are not aware that we really challenge God's authority in his rule. So when you decide you're too good that day, oh, I'm good. Because anytime you don't read the word of God, you, you think you're good for the day. You don't, oh, you don't need prayer. You don't need God today. I'm good. I always tell people when they say I'm good, that's a sign that you're not. Exactly. Oh, I don't need prayer. You're not good. I'm, I always need prayer. Protection. I, hey, you know, what? The danger that I don't see, please pray for me. Hello. Think about in our lives, are we challenging God's authority, God's rule? Forgive us all. 
That's why he said you have to repent. Pride is an inner problem that tempts man's volitions like an overpowering desire. That's a whole lot right there. Pride oh. is an inner problem. It's Go ahead. inside. It's not outside. Nobody else is you. <laughs> <laughs> that tempts man's volition like an overpowering desire. Like mm. you just almost can't resist it. It's so powerful. Only being led by the Spirit can you not walk in pride. The Word of God says, I set myself in battle array against the proud. God does. Yes. God says, can you imagine you against God? And every time you're in pride, he says, I'm in battle array against you. <laughs> so we know that Satan was cunning. He was, a, he was attractive. And, and his Make a note. deceitful. He was innocent in a way. What he was doing was very harmful. So an overview of what Satan's goal was is to get us to sin, to separate us from the Father. That is his goal, is to get you separated from the Father. If I could get you from not walking righteous, I can ensnare you again under my lordship, and you won't even know it. you still be going to church. you still be opening up the word, reading the word, and there's no change within because I have now enslaved you again because there was a breach in your armor. And when he separates you from the Father, you're now open for his assault, his attack. And not only that, but ultimately back in his snare to be a slave unto him. And he is your Lord. He becomes your Lord again. And you're, you're being so deceived that you don't even know that you're serving him. Still mm -hmm. going to church, reading the Bible. Even supposedly extending holy hands in the sanctuary. And we're still serving Satan because we're walking in pride, unpure heart. But we're deceived. We don't know we are. That's deception. You don't know you're being deceived. A woman think a man love her. I don't love you. Thank you soon get married. Are you kidding me? I'm not marrying you. But she doesn't know it because he tells her everything she wants to hear. Her flesh. The sin feeds. It, give, it satisfies. Mm. It gives you this deep I mean, this hunger that you have, and, and it fills you up to a place that's so pleasing that you just want more and more and more. And you want more and more of the lie. And you see more and more of the flaws when you don't care. Right. You, well, you don't see mm. the flaws in the person yeah. because you walk in deception. And some of them see it, and they still. Because it feels so good. You got a six-pack. <laughs> that almost was my downfall. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I had the Holy Ghost, Carol. Look at, look at Adriana. Like, no, they didn't. <laughs> we love to have fun. Satan teaches men first to doubt God, then to deny him. First to doubt, doubting Thomas. Go ahead. Then to deny him. Peter denied him. The ones that follow him the closest. He promised advantages for the sin. He promised you there's going to be benefits that come with the sin. Mm. Why do you want to do it? I mean, we're going to, you want to have fun doing this. Sin, sin does not hurt. It feels good. Yeah. Not the initial part, but mm -hmm. the outcome of it does. Yeah, while yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. No, oh, the wages of sin is death. I got that. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that, but, but you don't care. You compromise that. Yes. So Satan teaches you first to doubt, to doubt his word. And sin causes you to try to reason God's word. You try to rationalize his word. Now, first of all, what would God really do with, I always got to deal with things with the heart. Money is always with people's heart. So I'm sorry I got to go there because that's where our heart is. No. Is that what is God going to do with 10% of my earning? And can he really increase it? See, doubt. Start to reason. You start to reason. You, you go off to yourself like you created yourself. To reason with yourself. No, what, I mean, what does he need with that? And why should I? It's mine. Then the enemy said, you're right. Besides, you can go and do this and you do that. And, and yeah, matter of fact, go use what you was going to give. Buy a purse, get your hair done, go on vacation. Sounds good. All the benefits of sin. You've created doubt. I mean, does he, did he really say? 
is what he said to Eve. <laughs> Did he really say you should tithe 10%? I mean, maybe that's a mistranslation. That's Old Testament. Oh, yeah, that's the Old Testament. That's yeah. Old Testament. It don't, it's not recorded in the New Testament. Not recorded in the They haven't read Reason. Corinthians. You try to reason. Doubt brings to the place of unbelief. So then you don't believe that your seed that you sown is going to bring increase. And you spoke. Mm-hmm. Told that seed to die. Right, exactly. Oh, pastor, yes. And, and then he says, when you give, don't yep. give grudgingly. I got you there, too. He said, be a cheerful giver. Oh, line church. People who volunteer and cheerful means to volunteer. Volunteer. He said, this is for you to volunteer, not because someone told you, but it's something about when a person do a job and they actually get paid. Yep. Why do people still have an attitude when they get paid to do what they're doing? You go to, you know, whether it's uh, a restaurant or wherever, people got an attitude, and they're getting paid to do this. And serving us. I mean, tick, right? Everybody experienced that, right? But why, when a person, you go to a function, a person has volunteered something that they don't really get a monetary uh, compensation for, they're more cheerful. They're more happy. volunteer. Because you know why? They are attached to what they're assigned to do. They are part of that giving. They have decided in their own heart, I want to do this because it's going to benefit other people. And that is their reward. That's good enough for them. And they're stay out probably for hours at a time on their feet serving and giving and then using their own funds to buy whatever they're giving away. Not looking for anything in return except that this was a desire that was placed in their heart that they want to fulfill. Volunteer. This is why people who are able to raise anywhere from, you know, whether it's a half a million, $100,000 for a cause. See, they have a cause. You don't have a cause. When I say you, it's in general, so don't take it personal. Please don't. It's that some of us don't have a cause. And so when you don't have a cause, you don't have a reason to do it. You don't find a reason why to be involved. Think about it. That's really good. Why we don't do what our Heavenly Father has asked us to do, because you don't have a cause. And our cause and our mandate is to go out, preach the gospel on the hedges and highways and compel men to come in. That is your cause. And a lot of other things is tied to that cause, though. But that's another day, another time. It is the craft of Satan to speak of the divine law, the word of God, as uncertain or unreasonable to you. He presents the word of God to you as something uncertain. Did God really mean that? Do you really have to go to church every Sunday? Surely you understand and you're tired. Go back, lay down. That's the advantage. I get to sleep. Better yet, I get to go somewhere else and do what. I want to do. But God has given you life. What if he stopped giving you life and allow you to sleep right on? Possible. Being you want so much rest, let it be a permanent rest. Mm. Mm. Think about your life and your, your responsibility as a Christian. You have an accountability to God and to his people. But for some reason, you think, can you ever go into work and not do your job? You have responsibility. But if the supervisor see you not doing your job, you will lose your job. Eventually, you will. The president, if he don't do his job, he can be impeached. So really, no one is exempt. We're to keep up a firm belief of God's commandment. Keep up a firm belief of God's commandment. A firm belief. Our faith wavers too much. I believe today, tomorrow don't, maybe he's going to do what he said he's going to do, even though the word says he cannot lie. Or we'll be cliche, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do the same thing, you know, God is good. Is he really? Right. I mean, he's good all the time. Is he really? Right. We're to have a high respect for the word of God, a high respect, respect. not to dishonor him by not worshiping, not praising we're supposed to have a high respect for the word of God. Or witnessing, or studying, 
And we can keep on. Or praying. Or praying. It's, it's, the life it's just of not worship and praise. It's just what we do. It's just That's just part mm -hmm. of the commission. So let's talk about briefly sin. Because mm -hmm. we talked about the tree of knowledge of good and evil mm -hmm. sin slash pride. And we, we've been told it's missing the mark, and it is definitely missing the mark. Mm -hmm. But I just want to go into a deeper insight of sin. Sin is any lack of conformity, active or passive, to the moral law of God. Again, sin is any lack of conformity, active or passive, to the moral law of God. You're lacking, anytime you lack the opportunity to conform to the word of God, you are sinning. You don't want to be shaped and molded into the image of God. You are sinning. When you resist yielding to the word of God in your life, you are sinning, the lack of conforming. But what we are doing, so we don't conform to the word of God, we're conforming to what? The world. And we have conformed so much to the world, it's almost seemed to be impossible to conform to the word of God. This is why we can't bear to hear much of what he has to say, because our ears are full of what the world has said. Your ears are full of life experiences. Your ear is full of tradition. Your ear is full of your own imagination, your own speculations, your own thoughts that are wrong. But everything seems so right to you. Thus, you become your own God and walk in adultery. This is just a quote from someone you don't know, so we want to go there. Just, just listen to the quote here. <laughs> And it talks about sin. In the least transgression, I set myself above the authority of God, doing insult to his majesty, his holiness, and his sovereign right to govern me. Sin is a revolutionary act in which the sinner seeks to dispose God from his throne. Sin is a presumption of supreme arrogance in that the creature vaunts his own wisdom above that of the creator. It challenges divine omnipotence with human impotence and seeks to usurp the rightful authority of the Lord. I'll read it again. This quote about sin. Listen carefully. He talks about the least sin that I don't consider to be a big deal. In the least transgression, I set myself above the authority of God, doing insult to his majesty, his holiness, and his sovereign right to govern me. You're refusing to be governed by God. You're refusing to allow the word to govern your life, is what he's saying. Sin is a revolutionary act, declaring war, war. on the word of God. Mm. That is deep. Mm. Mm. God, I'm scared. I won't raise my hands now. <laughs> yeah, forgive me, Lord. Wow, purge me, <laughs> cleanse me. Right now. Create me a clean I heart, do right have some spirit flesh. to serve you. I do have some flesh, right. so I could have. <laughs> Sin mm. is a revolutionary act in which the sinner seeks to dispose God from his throne. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And also the Christian. Anytime the Christian decides to walk in sin, you are declaring war on God and seeking to dethrone him. Oh, this is something. This is serious right here. Hmm. It's a presumption of a supreme arrogance in you that vaunts its own wisdom above that of the creator. And you actually challenge the divine omnipotence with human impotence. And you seek to usurp your authority over the Lord. They're like, I'm doing all that? Good God. In some case, Missing the mark. Mm, that's sin. See, this is that, that's a that's a churchy response. What yep. what is sin? Missing the, the mark. mark. Right? Yeah. And we and are. And that's why we are. And we are good. okay with just okay. missing the mark. You should never I'm, be okay with The Lord with, is working on me. He's working on me. I'm not where I used to be. That's right. Thank God I'm not where I used to be. <laughs> Think about our lives. And when you are walking in sin, this is what you're doing. So he told a lady. When she was caught in dirt, she said, after that, he said, go and sin no, no more. more. Right. Which, why would he tell you that if you didn't have the capability That's right. of doing that? Ooh. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Come on. Hold on, y'all. He told her, 
he hadn't died yet. Mm -hmm. He hadn't even died and went to the cross yet. Well, actually, he did because he was slain before the foundation of the world. See that? See how the word come up in you when you hear that? Mm -hmm. But he told her, go and do that no more. Right. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He said it. He's still saying it. He's saying it right now, right through the mouth of Mel. Right. Because you right can will when you yourself. pick up your word. You can will yourself not to sin. You and sure you can. You can will yourself to sin. That's right. That's what he told her. So when you come, when he tempts you with that, mm -hmm. don't do it. That's right. And you still have that ability not to sin. You still have the ability to say, I'm mm -hmm. coming to church and not stay home. You still can do that. Oh, you're powerful. <laughs> you're powerful. You I'm, I'm arguing with God about my sin. You're okay. declaring a war. I'm just saying. Satan <laughs> really wants you to have hard thoughts of God and false hopes of advantage by sin. He wants you to think that what God is asking, the life he's asking you to live is too hard. I can't do this. No one can live He like told this. the lady, don't go sin no more. Mm -hmm. He said, let us therefore always think well of God as the best good. Amen. And think ill of sin as the worst evil. Mm. But we don't think ill of sin. We don't think ill of sin. Sin is just something I do that I shouldn't do. And that what I should do, I don't do. Yeah, you know, that's it. You know? But and I'm okay with that. Now, I, I get it right. You know, one day I get it right. He knows my heart. Exactly. He does. He sure heart. does. And he's coming quickly as a thief in the night. That's right. That's why some people have to be taken right then. Mm-hmm. Supporting scripture, Luke 6, verse 43 through 45. And it kind of talks about, I'm just paraphrasing that. How can a good tree produce bad fruit? And how can a bad tree produce good fruit? How can that happen? How can you say that you're a child of God and you speak evil? How can you say or not say you're simply just a sinner and think that you're actually speaking good? But they think they do. Because they, I'm a good person. Yep, that's what we say. There's no good in you. For a man's words will always express what has been treasured in his heart. You didn't just say that because you're mad today. That's been in your heart All for a minute. Time. You just released it today. It wasn't because you were under pressure while you said what you said. It's been in your heart. This is why we have to guard our heart with all due diligence. So how do we bring tragedy or calamity to our lives? It's seven different ways, probably more than that, but we're covering seven. Uh, we already talked about opposing ourselves. That's how we bring tragedy into our lives. Wrong thinking and wrong speaking. That's how we bring it into our lives. Wrong praying. It's the third one. The fourth one is wrong foundation, tradition, church, church, wrong foundation. Going to church for 20 years and still don't know God. Wrong foundation. Foundation was laid wrong. Have not experienced God in 20 years. Wrong foundation. What we're on now is <laughs> not knowing God's will. And then this strife is six and unforgiveness is seven. What is God's will? We kind of talked about that last time. God's will is simply Romans 12.1. And it reads, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies mm. a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amplified version goes like this. And I'm just going to go ahead and read the verse 2 as well, verse 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you. He's pleading. In the view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Give it away to him. Good God. Give your body away to him. Present all your members and faculties, your, your mouth, your eyes, your ears, your your hands, your feet, as a living sacrifice, your heart, your mind, holy, devoted, consecrated, separated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. 
do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, holidays, traditions. Don't go there. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, new attitude towards <laughs> the word of God, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. That should be like in the forefront of your heart every morning yeah. that I present my body a living sacrifice. Every day. A sacrifice that has no will. Mm. I'll lend him my members, my body, everything, whatever he needs. That's a powerful statement right there. I mean, just alone. What we want to highlight here is to note that these are three mm. statements which will be accomplished. Proving that's good. Acceptable and perfect will of God. This is what's going to happen. Mm. You're going to prove what's good. Acceptable and perfect will of God. This is what you're going to do. So one, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Two, be not conformed by this world. Three, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to prove what's good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. He Those. said this is your reasonable and intelligent decision that you ever make is that you present your body to me a living sacrifice, living for me and not yourselves. Present your body to me to live for me, not for David, not for your spouse, not for your children, not for your mom, not your dad. He said, but present your body to me, for me, to live through you. Then you can see and approve what is good. Otherwise, you don't know what's good for you. You're choosing everything that's wrong for you. This is what invites tragedy in your life. Unnecessary problems, situations, circumstances, because you can't prove what is good for you. Wrong mate. This is why our work is so hard. Marriage is not hard. The hard thing was you to give your body a living sacrifice to your God. That was high pitched. God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> These three points could really help you right here, just alone. Mm -hmm. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Be not conformed to this world. Mm -hmm. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To me, what, what really stands out is that be not conformed to this world because this world dictates to yeah. me yeah. my Christianity. Yes, it does. The world dictates to me. Mm -hmm. My relationship with God. That's right. Because I care about my environment and people mm -hmm. around me mm -hmm. or my family. That's right. See, that's a, that, to me, that's a very powerful one that, it, that the world, it, it, I'm conformed to the world. That way I'll, right. I'll do whatever. And, and, and then you got whole Christians that they conform to the world. Mm -hmm. There's no thing in here that says that I'm supposed to marry two men and two women. That's right. But I'm conforming to the world mm -hmm. because of the pressure. Yeah. Okay, but the this church is, a, is conforming to the world the, now. Yeah, the church is. Mm -hmm. This is what apostasy is. Apostasy means a falling away, a turning away from God, the ways of God. That's right. That's what apostasy is, and this is what the church is doing. There's nothing in here that says I'm supposed to do that. There's nothing in here that says that, that thing is right, but they're turning away. They're conforming to the world. Mm -hmm. Our next um, That's so good. path of a straying away from God or where it comes, we invite tragedies. This is wrong thinking and wrong speaking. That's so good, too. Wrong thinking. You're thinking wrong. So, therefore, you speak wrong. You are what you are because of what you think and believe about your experience in life. Mm -hmm. You are what you are because of what you think and believe about your experiences in life. So, the things that you experience in life. Was through your parents, uh, your friends, and people at work, and they you have these events and you know circumstances in your life, experiences, and so these are the things that causes you to think wrong, because you go by what you see and what you feel, and so therefore you start to think by what you're experiencing, mm -hmm. and so then you speak what you're experiencing, so you're thinking and you're speaking wrong. This actually birthed wrong perception, which leads to wrong interpretation. There you go. 
Wrong thinking and wrong speaking gives birth to wrong perception, and that leads to wrong interpretation. Which is detrimental. Wrong understanding. And just to give an example, this is Job, and he's going, we know all about Job and all his troubles and his woes and, and worries uh, that was going on with him. And when you're going through, this is how you talk. This is normally how you talk, but this is not a person who's led by the Spirit okay. that's talking like this. Job is saying this. Though God slay me, because oh, yeah. you're going through, God must be putting me through this, you know. Yet will I trust him. You have pastors quoting this and reading all this. Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. God has not slain you. That's the enemy and you. He is not slaying you. Yet will I trust him. He taketh me by the neck, by the nap of my neck, and shaketh me, and run upon me like a giant. The Lord. This is what Job said. See how delirious you get when you're going through? You talk out of your head. You talk like an insane person. Because when you're not in the word of God, you are insane. Mm. And you talk just like this. You can just think about some of your situation and circumstances you probably was in a week or two ago, whatever, or even last 24 hours. Come on. And how you were talking. You were talking insane, like a mad man or mad woman. Mm -hmm. Did you bring the word up? Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. How much trust do you have in God? And then you say he has taken you by the nap of your neck and he's shaking you and then he ran up upon you like a giant. How much trust is that in God? Man, and you don't understand God because he's not trying you. He didn't put you in this circumstance or a situation. And then you get this talking about all the woes and, and, and how bad you're hurting. If you're not vocalizing, you're at least thinking it. You have, you're thinking in your heart. Your heart thinks. It speaks. And it speaks. See, if I can see that in my heart, it's real. That's right. Job even goes far to say, he sets darkness in my path. Mm. What, does he, what does God have to do with darkness? Nothing. But see, this he, is what happens, though. When you're going through, you talk like a mad person. Mm. You mm. don't talk like a child of God. You talk as if you're a mere man again of this world. You've lost your mind. Christians are crippled by their wrong thinking. It cripples their ability to function in the wisdom of God and float in the spirit of God. When you think wrong, you believe wrong. When you believe wrong, you speak and you act wrong. Don't only act wrong, you act ugly, look ugly. Mm -mm. Wrong thinking causes you to make wrong choices. So what causes wrong thinking? I'll tell you. Y'all want to know? Yeah, tell them anyway. People don't know what God said. That's why you have wrong thinking. You don't know what he said. Because he says this, have the mind of Christ. Think like I think. Have the mind of Christ, but you want to have your own mind. So therefore, you think wrong. That's not allegory. Mm -mm. That's real. Mm -hmm. He's living inside of you. Don't lose that. So if he's living inside of you, he's inside of you. I have access to the mind of Christ. Makes natural sense too, don't it? Somebody living in your house, you still have access to them, don't you? You can go in their room, you have access. You can talk to them, you have access. So he's living inside of you, you have access. You can have his mind. The knowledge of his word really good. and obedience is applying his word to every situation. The knowledge of God's word is not you just holding his word. The knowledge of God's word is not you just informed of God's word. Come on. The knowledge of God's word is that you apply the word of God in your obedience in the situation. That's how you gain knowledge of the word of God. Mm. You don't gain knowledge of the word of God just by hearing the word of God and holding the word of God and reading the word of God. You gain knowledge of the word of God when you obey the word of God. It becomes a part of you. Now you possess the word of God. Mm, that was Wrong speaking. All right, next one. Wrong speaking. Words produce images inside of us. Whatever you're speaking, they're drawing images, pictures inside of you, whether they images of failure or success. And many have produced an image of tragedy in their hearts by their wrong Speaking. Evil words defile your temple. It originates in the thought pattern. Your wrong thinking originates in your thought pattern. 
just like your right thinking originates in your meditation and thought pattern. Mm -hmm. What you meditate on is going to give birth to what you're meditating on. Whatever you're meditating on, you're thinking, that's going to come to your thought process and you're going to become what you're thinking because you're meditating on it. This is why the Word of God says, meditate on my Word day and night. But you're meditating on something else other than the Word of God. And this is causing you to speak wrong. Now, how can you not conceive these wrong thinking? You can't stop wrong thinking sometimes from coming. But what you can do is kill it. Cast it down. You can kill your wrong thinking. Mm. Wanna know how? You simply kill your wrong thinking by stop meditating on it. And when you have the initial thought of a wrong, wrong image or words, how do now I stop thinking on what was initiated? See, it can come, but you don't have to give it birth. Just like a child, you can see you can conceive, but you don't have to give it birth. Something can happen mm -hmm. during their pregnancy. And with this wrong thinking, what needs to happen is that you stop meditating on what's wrong. I'll give you an example how to kill wrong thinking. I want you to participate. Think about a dog. Everybody got a thought in the head of a dog? Yeah, they got Okay. Yeah. Now think about a brown dog, a white dog. What happened to the brown dog? <laughs> because you stop thinking. thinking. How easy is that? Ooh. How easy you is that? You did it just like that. It's instant. You spoke it and it happened. You did it right there. Now Matthew 15, I'll give you a scripture for that. Matthew 15, verse 18 through 20. Okay. Now we can rid ourselves from unwanted thoughts, casting down the imagination. Again, let's think about a red car. Red car. And whatever kind you want to think about, all right? Y'all got the red car in your mind? Yeah, I got it. All right. Now, a black charger. <laughs> all right, Scott. All right, what happened to the red car? Yeah, what happened? You, you, you can't think about no. both of them at the same time. Seriously, you can't think about them both at the same time. You can't think about both of them at the same time. You can't. That's right. Because instantly, when I said it, you switch unless you just, unless you decided not, not to. to. Right. And you can't think about both. I'm telling you, you can't because you're not capable of doing that. And this happened to me before I did this exercise. I was thinking about my, my mom, and, and she's passed on, right? And I'm like, man, then I started to think about my dad. But it, immediately when I started to think about my dad, the thought of my mom was gone. But you have emotions and feelings with your thoughts. And so my emotions, my feelings for my mom and dad, even though I love them both, it's different because she's my mother, she's my mom, and he's my dad. And, and different feelings because of experiences with the mom and experience with the dad, they're different experience, even though they're both your parent. And this confirms that you cannot think about two things at one time in that very instant. You cannot because there are different emotions and feelings with that thought. Nor can you serve mammon and God at the same time. That's right. 2 Corinthians 10.5 speaks about casting down imagination. This is how you do it. Casting down, you guys heard about that, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. First of all, what are those imaginations? Mm. Your reasoning. Your reasoning that's hostile to the word of God is a proud argument. It's an obstacle or argument against God. Imagination, deceptive fantasy, speculations. These are imaginations. And what's the hot thing? Has the scripture ever been broken down to you? What's, what's the imagination? What's the hot things that we're supposed to, to, to cast down? The hot things include anything that opposes the true knowledge of God as revealed in the word of God. I need you to remember this. The word is not hidden that you can't find it, nor is it too far in the heavens that you can't reach it, or beyond the sea that you can't hear it. But the word is not even in your very mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Note this, the word of God is not too far 
in the heavens that you can't reach it. It's not beyond the sea that you can't hear it. Mm -hmm. And it's not hidden from us, but the word is not even in your mouth and even in your heart that you may do the word of God. He has set before us life and goodness. Choose life. Choose life so that you in your seed may live. Choose life so you in your seed, your children, children may live. This is something that our parents and, and their parents before them should have done, or maybe some of them have done that, is to choose life, truly choose life. That means choose Christ. Christ is life. Anything outside of him is death. He says, so be that you and your children, children will live. Not just church. How should your parents going to church? Not choose church, but choose Christ. Amen. Choose to live an example of Christ in this earth. Not one day I'm speaking to you, next day I'm not. But I'm always loving you because I have the love of Christ in me. Choose life. Choose Christ. Choose love so that you and your seed and their seed, generations to come, shall live. Amen. And not only live, but live abundantly above and beyond what they could even think or dream or imagine because you have chosen Christ, not church, not tradition, not this world, but Christ, not church, David. That's the problem. We've all chosen church, but not Christ. This is why we don't know him because we chose church, Whitney. We chose church. You are the church. We chose ways of doing things in the church. There you go. We chose man's way of telling us how to live. And Christ says, I'm the way. I'm the way of how you are to live. I'm the way. That's so good. This is the way. Follow me. This is how you live. Today, choose Christ. Choose life so that your seed will also have life. Amen. 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 Pray that the word awesome. of God has really reached your heart and your minds and, and he's breathing even more of himself into you, into the spirit of man. Don't try to all comprehend it all at once and what he really meant through all what was saying. Allow the spirit of God to continue to minister to you what he has for you. Amen. Amen.